chance on here. Pulisic picks up the loose ball and he could be in. Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, 1-0. Quick thinking by Alisson, and if Salah could lift it, still Salah, Salah! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea kept yet another clean sheet as they condemned Tottenham to a third straight league defeat. Meanwhile, earlier in the week, Manchester United shocked the world with a 9-0 drubbing of Southampton that tied the league record for biggest defeat that was also matched by Leicester in their visit to the Saints last season. We've got plenty of midweek roundups and weekend previews for you today on the Ghost Goal Podcast with Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal, Aston Villa, and Manchester United, Everton all to come. I'm Alex here with Javier. Andrew is out tonight. Of course he is. Uh, Liverpool had their second straight home League defeat uh, to yeah, struggling they can't Brighton. Beat these these bottom four, five, no. four or five sides. They just it's, they're it, they're 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 their Achilles heel this season. I'm making him out to be a coward, but really, it's uh, it's Super Bowl week, and Andrew yeah, works Andrew's for a busy. Super Bowl or an NFL radio station. So of course, it's a busy week for him. Uh, but we're here to preview that big Liverpool Manchester City matchup this weekend and talk about a few of the uh, goings on everywhere else in the league. So. Let's start with that game that just ended uh, today. Uh, Chelsea going to Tottenham, winning 1-0, dominating most of the game, uh, having a few nervous moments there at the end, holding on for the 1-0, and uh, not putting their chances away that they they should have to really kill the game. But it's a 1-0 win, like nonetheless. It, like Zero goals conceded yet under Thomas Tuchel. Uh, so Chelsea are in a uh, a better place than than they were probably ten days ago. You'd have to say. Yeah, I mean, you guys. I said it on the last pod. I think this is the the little manager bump coming in. Not that Lampard was a bad manager because you guys definitely under certain times under him last season, and then even at the beginning of this season, you guys have played really good football. So it's not like the sequence of play. Like we've seen that Jorginho Kovacic midfield start a lot under Lampard as well. And it played a similar role. So it's actually not that surprising that Tuchel went with that. And, you know, they seem to, to have done a good job throughout the game of, of keeping Tottenham's midfield from, from going crazy and, and, and countering it, counterattacking the, the dick off you guys. You know, you guys kept most of their chances to deflections or crosses, which Chelsea aren't the best at dealing with. But you guys, you know, the, the one big chance that you conceded, you got away with, which was the... Vinicius chance near the end of the game, and then you know Son had a couple half chances, but uh, Chelsea did did well to defensively, like you said. You guys haven't conceded yet under him, and I think that's the place to always start in a team is figure out your back line, figure out defensively what you want to do, and then you can kind of build from there. Right, use that as a platform to try and figure out what you can do while keeping like a good defensive shape uh, to go forward and score goals. And- it's a very mature approach to how you're going to play. How are you going to come into a club in the middle of a season? You know, I don't know. I don't know if the temptation with with all these Chelsea players, when you initially come in and be like, ah, oh, let me, you know, play 
Pulisic with Ziyech and Werner and, and oh, Tammy yeah. and like I try mean, to, you know, that to would be the temptation. You, there's some upset Chelsea players who will probably still get their chance, but haven't necessarily been featuring a lot to begin with. Like ZX didn't see the field in that game. Pulisic came on for the last uh, 20 minutes or so. Chilwell hasn't played the last two games because Alonso's come in and Tuchel said, like many he's other managers before him, Tuchel yeah, said he needs some- Alonso's like, height to help defend on set pieces because we don't really have much height in our uh, in our midfield or really in our forward line if Shuru or Abraham aren't playing. So it's kind of necessary to have... Uh, Alonzo in there for some games instead of and he uh, played. Chilwell. He played pretty well again this game. Yeah, yeah, he was he was very good. Uh, the, there was the unfortunate uh, Tiago Silva injury, which forced him off about thirty five minutes into the game. But uh, even then, they just showed our squad depth even more that we were able to bring in Andreas Christensen, who hadn't played until or basically since the Aston Villa home game back in the first week of January. Who also looked pretty decent, he was, I think. He was perfectly suited for that middle role of the, the, the back three. That was the role that he played when Conte first brought him back from Borussia Mönchengladbach and stuck him in his 3-4-3 three, three, uh, and well, effectively banked David Luiz. All these players had a fresh slate, right? So they're they're probably thinking to themselves, like, listen, if he's going to pick me, I'm going to try my absolute best to put on the best performance possible, you know? And I don't know if Tuchel's the type of manager that doesn't tell you, because some managers tell you, like, in the middle of the week, like, this is who's going to play on the weekend. And there's some managers who leave it up to, like, you know, you find out an hour before. Tuchel's made it it very clear to everyone, uh, basically, that sentiment you just made about, you know, you're all going to get your chance. We're going to... Right. But he's told them that basically through the filter of we're going to be changing things like there may be some things that remain uh game to game like it seems like this back three uh i mean if Thiago silva had stayed healthy then that would have stayed the same with rudiger silva and uh, uh that that midfield with kovacic and Jorginho has stayed the same so far but then he's made changes to the wing back positions and to uh, the the front three even this game he uh, played Reese James at right wing back instead of having Hudson Odoi like he had for the previous two games and he pushed Hudson Odoi further up and him and Mason Mount and Reese James had a really great uh, understanding on that right wing especially in the first half they created a bunch of chances and uh, eventually the ball gets played down through the right channel uh, that ends up getting Timo Werner on the end of it and he wins a penalty from a big dire uh, mistake. Which I think has to bring you to what the hell's wrong with Tottenham. It's the first time in uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, Premier League career that he's lost two straight home games, which I uh, I still I, f- I found very surprising. Like uh, that yeah, that's never I, I, happened it was, before. Uh, it was another dull performance for them. I I don't know. I guess I was expecting a little bit more for them. I really thought they were playing well in the first half three quarters of the season then this last you know six or seven games they've just been pretty dire pretty i don't know just <laughs> it's, it's a great like word to use seeing as, seeing, as, seeing as eric dyer gave away the penalty they've they've been pretty right. dire all right I, I was just gonna say that jose Mourinho after the game did his typical thing of you know creating an event that would seemingly distract everyone from the performance. I was at least saying that to you and my cousin Connor in a little text group chat that we have. 
that like he, he was speaking to that uh, female reporter and she asked him a very fair question at the end. Like you brought on Eric Lamella and Lucas Mora to get you back into the game later on. Like, why did Gareth Bale not play? And he answered her by saying, that's a good question, but I don't think you deserve an answer. And then just walked off. And you, you could tell it was just like him cr- trying to create a little soundbite to like rile up all the media and, and have them like start attacking him for saying that rather than attacking Tottenham for their performance. The result, right, for their but performance, yeah. It's not just been the last three games. It's even when Kane was fit, they've dropped points in nine of the previous 12 Premier League games. And, you know, some of those are draws. So they're still getting a point on the board here and there. But three wins in, in 12 in the Premier League is... Uh, even in a crazy season like this, it's going to be hard for you to maintain a uh, Europa League push. And just like the levity with which he seemed to like answer all of these questions after up until that very last one kind of makes me think that he, he's, he's happy with his Carabao Cup final. Uh, I'm sure people won't be picking Tottenham to beat Manchester City in that, but he's in the final for that, so he'll fancy himself. And I'm sure he's looking at the Europa League and he's thinking, let's just get Kane back for uh, the Europa League run and let's zero in on that and try to win the Europa League, bring another trophy. Maybe in his mind, he'll hope that he has two trophies in the Carabao Cup and Europa League and he gets Champions League qualification through that. So I'm not saying I'm not saying that Spurs will give up in the league. I'm sure they'll use it. Uh, very much to try and they're four points off formation. top four man yeah yeah no it's I'm not, not I'm not saying they're out of it six either points now, but, I'm just saying like yeah. it kind of seems like Mourinho is he's he's more focused on bringing to Tottenham fans what he promised them in in trophies which he wasn't able to last year but is still in two of them uh, for this year and uh, the, the league is such a like buzzsaw of up and down results and runs of form that I'm sure he's just thinking we can just waltz our way to the Europa League final and and win that. Uh, he did it before at United uh, when he his first year there in 2016-17. Got kind of lucky with some of the draws that he may not get as lucky with this time. But I don't really th- think that's a bad way to approach this season if you're Tottenham. But uh, yeah, I mean, I you, think that you got to be you got to be worried that like they might go into Tottenham like an Arsenal or Chelsea run of bad form, like an even worse run of bad form that puts you down on like the bottom half of the table. I don't think so. I don't think so. Although the table is kind of crazy this year, you know, you you have teams that are still going to be a threat all the way from Sheffield beating United to Brighton beating Liverpool. You never know on any given day who's gonna who's gonna win each game and. It's been so hard to predict games this season. Like, I feel like I've been wrong, like, so many times, so much more than in previous seasons just because of, like, how crazy this season so far has been. I bet you zero people in the world bet that United were going to win 9-0. That's just, like, an insane result. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's uh, let's get to that, after- actually. Uh, the, the, well, I do just want to mention we're not necessarily going to preview them now, but Tottenham will host West Brom this weekend, which after that Brighton uh, loss you just mentioned uh, – it does not seem like it's going to be an easy win either, though they will still expect to. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, Chelsea will follow up that Tottenham win by another away game, this time at Sheffield United, who look like they're uh, late, mounting a late season push to be considered for staying up. So, Yeah, that, uh, that, I wasn't joking about them not finishing bottom. They're definitely yeah, going to finish neither bottom, was I. at least West Brom. But we'll we'll table those two games. They're uh, probably not as big as some of the other games we've got on the list for this weekend. 
the docket, Alex. But earlier docket. this week, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get to Arsenal in a second. We have to start with Manchester United 9-0 over Southampton. Like, as that game was going on, it's obviously marred by, like, two minutes in, Alexandra Yankovitz, the uh, 19-year-old Swiss midfielder who was getting his debut for Southampton, goes into an absolutely abhorrent tackle on Scott McTominay. Like, you could see the gashes in Scott McTominay's leg after the tackle, and he was just... Yankovic was immediately sent off. And from that point on, United just used their extra man uh, out wide. And Luke Shaw and Aaron Wambasaka absolutely picked Southampton to pieces, playing balls to the back posts while they were just in acres of space uh, due to the extra man advantage uh, to be able to do that. So... It, you got to give United a lot of credit. They had uh, two bad performances, the uh, Arsenal draw last weekend and then the Sheffield United loss at home the previous week. But they uh, they followed that yeah, up with an absolutely response, ruthless beatdown. Nine nothing. Uh, that hasn't happened in a year. <laughs> Poor Southampton. Southampton are not a bad team. Like They're not. I know we but... talked on the last pod that they've definitely been declining. They, they can't score goals. But wow, yeah, I mean, obviously... Having a player sent off in the second minute, that's kind of insane. It completely changes the game, and it's the reason why they lost 9-0. But I think even if they hadn't gotten a player sent off, they probably would have lost this game like 3 or 4-0. Yeah, probably. I, mean, I was saying it set up nicely for United before the game, just that uh, Southampton are usually a team that will push up the field, which you know is a dream for United with all the pace they have outside to, to counter you with. Uh, but... Even when they went that man down and they did like start playing a whole lot deeper, they didn't have enough men on the field to get to, especially Luke Shaw in time. The amount of times he was just allowed, without any sort of pressure on him, to just dink a ball to the back post, whether it was for the Juan Basaka opener or for uh, Cavani's really simple goal later in the first half. Shaw was just uh, amazing, given all that time and space to, to play those balls in so accurately. And uh, dare I say, I think uh, Alex Tellis coming in last summer has kind of put a little fire under his ass to make him uh, sit up and realize, oh, okay, I have to start producing for this team. I mean, when he was signed, he was, you know, Chelsea wanted him. Yeah. He looked like he was he was going to be very, very, very good. I think he was the signing that for uh, for fullback or something. It was 30 million for him when he was 19 years old, 19 or 20. So. Yeah, there, there was a lot of pressure on him, and he had he had a bad injury that kind of held up his momentum to progress, and has has had fitness issues at times. But now he seems to be uh, playing the best football I've seen him play since he was a, a kid at Southampton. So, and then of course Wambasaka, we know how good he is defensively, but we're starting to see him uh, pick up his offensive contributions as well. That run into the back post to get the first goal. Off the Shaw uh, cross, it, it had yeah, shades of, of the Arsenal. Us. Yeah, he had shades of the Arsenal chance, the, the free header he had, except he nipped in behind the player and he was able to get his foot to it for like a like a good first time finish. I, w- I would ask a United fan, but I'll ask you this instead: Does that nine nil like does that is that like enough for you no. to as like a no. statement of intent? No, you're not like thinking no. United are the next like who, who's the next biggest challenger to Manchester City then. I just think City are going to run away with it. Okay, but like, who would be the next like challenger to them? If it's not Liverpool, who we'll get to in a second after their second straight home defeat, 
Uh, I think there's going to be like three or four. I think it's just going to be like, I don't know if United are going to pull away from everybody, from the current other people who are like, like I think they're going to get sucked into still like a top four battle. And it's gonna, like second through fourth is going to be open. I don't think it's going to be like a clear second. I think it's going to be City win the league by like 15 points. And then there's like five or six teams that finish 15, around. 15, really? So yeah, you just twelve you just, or fifteen. Okay, so you just think City are just going on a death march for the rest of this season? <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to go on a death march. That's what they're just, on right now. Just cue I mean, the if they beat Liverpool, no Star one's going to stop them. Yeah. Well, the, the, we talked about this over text. Um, I mean, what? Who has? Who has? When has Pep ever lost a lead? When he's got a four-point lead with a game in hand, Pep Guardiola has never given that up in his career. And I know it's a three-point three-point lead right now and I know that that's like a huge win for Man United and they're going to take a lot of confidence from that but I I just feel like right now I think that's eight games in a row City have won when they go on this run and they're they're getting healthy again like Jesus scored in in their game on Wednesday he scored Raheem Sterling scored, scored, scored a couple games, games in a row now Gundogan's playing amazing he's been like their best player for the last like four or five games and I think Manchester City, like, they haven't missed De Bruyne at all. They're going to have a, a healthy De Bruyne again soon. Aguero's, you know, come come off of his COVID. You know, he's fit now. I, I don't know how long it's going to take him to get match fit. It could be another month, but I'm sure they'll have Aguero at some point this season. And, yeah, Manchester City, it feels like they finally figured out their defensive issues. They just haven't been – Ederson has more clean sheets this season than – then he has conceded goals. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty impressive stat. There's no denying that. So, uh, we'll we'll talk about Manchester City a bit more in this uh, this Liverpool matchup uh, preview that we're going to have in a little bit. But until then, let's move on to uh, Arsenal, who I think we'll do kind of a hand in hand preview recap for this one because it's been an eventful week for Arsenal. And they've got a very difficult matchup this yeah, weekend. Fuck Craig Pawson. Just it's give me a, piece give me a of sec shit. to intro it. I'll I'll I'll, no. I'll, I'll no, unleash the hounds too. I'll fuck unleash the hounds. I got it, Alex. I got soon. it. I got it. I got it. Wolves won. Yay! No, no. I was going to go. Goals. I was going to go first of all that you guys are traveling to Aston Villa this weekend, Saturday, seven thirty a.m. First game of the weekend, and frankly, a very very interesting game. Last time you guys played Villa, you lost three nil at home in the middle of that. Yeah, we're terrible butter. run we're of get form. Our vengeance. Uh, and you you come off a loss to Wolves away two one on Tuesday. That saw you guys flying high for the, pretty much the whole first half, creating a bunch of chances. Probably should have been up two or three nil by, by halftime. But instead, it's 1-0, and uh, in the very last minute of the first half, Craig Paulson was that definitely the referee? It was definitely him? Yeah, Craig Paulson. Craig Paulson uh, gives a penalty and a straight red card to David Luiz for a uh, challenge on uh, new signing William Jose. And Ruben Neves steps up and takes the penalty to make it 1-1 at halftime, and all of a sudden, you're down a man. And you're down another goal early in the second half as Xiaomatinho has an absolute worldy of a, of a finish probably one of the contenders for goal of the month in february uh to no, pepe's was make nicer it pepe's was nicer pepe's was nice but i think Matinho's was nicer um no no pepe nutmegs two players how often do you see double nutmegs no the first wasn't a nutmeg the first was like uh, it went he played the ball around one side nutmeg, of him and he went 
around the opposite side, and then he nutmegged the second guy and finished on his weak foot. But Nelson Semedo as well. I'll, I'll I'll allow you to unleash yourself on the, this on this. Yeah, referee, yeah, Craig yeah. Boston you wanted to right say now. Leno got a red card as well for a uh, stupid yeah. challenge. It's worth mentioning since it comes into uh, comes into effect for this uh, away trip to Villa this weekend. But first on Wolves, you guys are shit, or you guys just got uh, screwed by the refs. <laughs> I know the answer already. I'm just answering. I'm just asking. For wolves? For wolves, wolves yeah. Are pretty, yeah, wolves are pretty pretty shit. I mean, William Jose looks like a pretty decent signing, but we should have been up like 3 or 4 nil in the first half, to be honest. It wasn't it, – like it shouldn't have – the game should have been over at halftime. Instead, it was a draw and we were down a man. So it this happens to Arsenal a lot, and like people will say online that it's a conspiracy, that the FA has – you know, like a bias against us. And it could be confirmation bias, but we've had a lot of really big, like horrible decisions go against us in the last few years. You know, like when we didn't make Champions League that first year under Emery, there was a lot of really shady things that happened for us for that not to happen. And the fact that we're 20th in the league in terms of fouls, but we're number one in terms of red cards and like I think number four or five with in yellow cards, like I know that that doesn't like necessarily prove anything, but it it does show that like we get cards a lot more often than other people do. When you see like teams like players like Harry Kane doing like that fucked up thing where he like backs into you and like you like fall on your back, and then there you see players like Bruno Fernandez, you know, just like huge players that are part of the league make make tackles that are you know, should be red cards, aren't given, and then the same thing happens to Arsenal. It's really frustrating. Like, it feels like that David Luiz red card just came because of his reputation. And honestly, I've watched it like a hundred times. It's tiny contact. He he flung himself. Like, it's not like that well, contact he, was enough to, he's to knock him full, down like that. It's because it's he's at full sprint, and he was gathering himself to shoot. And as he was gathering to shoot, his like his studs hit David Luiz's knee, and at that speed, like that, and you can really take you think Luiz Luiz like was did that on purpose? You really do think that? No, but I don't it, think. Like, I don't I've think watched in, it a hundred times. I don't like, think intent necessarily matters because there's no way for anyone who's reviewing any play in in a football game to to, to realistically. Obviously, the circumstances can vary wildly. But I don't. I think over ninety percent of VAR cases that you have to go back and look at in uh, in slow motion. I don't, I don't think there's a, a realistic way to establish intent effectively for all of these different calls. So whether it's whether he intended to or not, if that's not given as a penalty, which I think it's a penalty, I just think the red card is just is overkill. And I agree with you. I think the red. There's a card, lot of questions about the penalty, though. Like, no, like I think the penalty lot. is like fairly like everyone understands there was contact. It was a it was a a goal saving uh, contact that made William Jose go down. He was basically about to score. Like that's a penalty. But then uh, the fact that it he was about to score, I think, is what led to the referee giving the red card on Luis. Uh, but I, yeah, but but I agree with you. The, there's a rule his reputation, in, in football, I think, preceded him in this. But and, there's a rule in football, like double jeopardy, which they put in a few years ago, where you're not supposed to give a red card and a penalty, um, you know, for a foul in the area unless it was violent conduct, like unless it was something that was really 
harmful and detrimental. Like the one he did and, at, uh, at uh, Stanford Bridge last year on Tammy Abraham, where he just like wasn't going for the ball at all and like grabbed yes, him and, and he, like, brought right, him down. Grabbed him and threw. Yeah. So, so like, if like it's like that violent one, conduct. That one to me uh, was a blatant red card and penalty. Yeah. But this one just felt like the penalty was rightly awarded, even though it's like, I, I, I don't okay, know how like, he saw I think it, it in, in the middle in live action because it was like you right. couldn't see it from where right. from where we're watching. And he's obviously a bit closer. It was only on, on the replay, like a couple of replays that I was able to find the contact for that. And then for him to be so like assured to, to just come out with a red card right away for Louise, which was eventually upheld by uh, the VAR on the day and earlier today when Arsenal appealed, the appeal was turned down. So David Luiz is going to miss three games, it's, I guess. It's, it's because, no, apparently it's just a one-game suspension, which I don't understand. But I think if you don't give us that red card, like, I, I would have been totally fine. With, I, would, I wouldn't have been happy with the penalty, but I, you wouldn't hear me, like, raging about it. It's because it completely changed the game. You know, up till that point, Arsenal had probably played their best half of football. And then for the referee to change the game so much in a very contentious situation, it's not like this was like black and white where you can just say, yes, 100%, like that should be a red card and a penalty. And if we'd kept 11 men, like we would have had no problem beating that Wolves team. We were very confident. We'd have probably been a little bit disappointed, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. It just, it was obviously then Leno getting sent off made it impossible. Even then we still created a chance or two, so... It, honestly, it I'm not too guys, disheartened from this game. It, put, it puts you guys in a pickle for this weekend, though. Like, you can't deny that because uh, hopefully Matt Ryan, yeah, the we have former to beat Brighton Aston goalkeeper, is, uh, is ready and healthy and fit to play versus Villa. But if not, you'll have uh, Renarsson. Is that his name? I can't, yeah, can't remember his first yeah. name. But it's, it's a little bit unfair to like completely judge him off that one like horrible howler game that he had against City because he's had a few Europa League games where he's hey, man, you were saying You were saying sell him after that. You were saying get him the fuck out of there. <laughs> well, yeah, that was really bad. But like... I was yeah, going to say, obviously he didn't I want look Ryan bad in, in the uh, like late part of the game that he played. He had a couple of uh, very big saves to keep Arsenal in it and uh, keep Wolves from going up 3 or 4-1. Uh, so uh, I don't think all hope is lost, but the way that Villa team just completely took you guys apart on the counterattack last time, if they can replicate something like that this weekend... Yeah, but this is a completely different Arsenal team, man. Like... This is not the same team that they played when they beat us 3-0. Like, if you think about it, that team had an Aubameyang who hadn't scored in forever. They That had, um, you know, Williams starting in it. That didn't have Thomas Partey in the midfield. That didn't have, you know, Kieran Tierney, who I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, it um, feels like every, from what I've every been reading, pod we do, you're like, all right, Tierney's going to be back for this game, and then it's well, no, Cedric. So, which I don't from think Cedric's even reading, doing that badly. He's no, doing pretty Cedric's well. been playing well. From from what I've been reading, apparently Tierney just always like wants to go full cylinder, like all, all gun-ho. So they don't want to play him until they're 100% sure he's fit because they don't want him to like go to that level of, of strain, strainous activity and then actually get hurt for something long-term. So I think they're trying to be as careful as possible with him. Um, not sure if he's going to play in this Villa game, but like I said, I have not been unhappy with Cedric at, at left back. He's he's played fairly well and been one of our you know more solid players. 
Um, and then Gabrielle coming in for David Luiz. I mean, I don't think we're going to miss a, miss a step. If not, I almost think it's going to be better. Like, I've been wanting Gabrielle to start starting again and to get back into the groove because you really need game time to get back on your feet. You're not just going to come in and randomly in the middle of a game. And even though he looked pretty good still against Wolves when he came on, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world to to have right. Gabrielle coming in here instead also, of David Luiz. It's, also, it's after, honestly a favor. I like, guess you guys conceded some chances uh, after that uh, penalty and red card just before the half. But the goal that puts Wolves ahead, I think, is a pretty simple case of not having enough players to step out and and stop that man from having a completely uninterrupted ping from 30 yards out and Martinho just happens to pull off a, a worldie and that I don't think that's on like any of the players in the back line or on Leno for that matter so yeah I, I don't think it's like all doom and gloom uh, with you guys having to play Gabriel holding uh, Bellerin and Suarez for this uh, Villa game I think there is still a runnerson sized uh, hole in, in goal but due to that uh, burnt Leno red card from the handball uh, but if Matt Ryan can start and if he can, you know, bring some of his experience uh, to the fold to get you guys through these next couple of games, uh, hopefully not losing anymore, then uh, that, that's I think that'll be enough to right the ship somewhat because uh, th- this game has this Wolves game or the Wolves loss, I think, has the potential to uh, to really uh, screw with you guys minds and. I think for a good reason. Have, yeah, have this a lot is the of type of game that if we like, if we win it, you know, we'll go. We'll be back to the good mentality. If we lose it, then it could be a, a spiral, you know, back into that that dip in bad form. But I just can't. Forget I, I don't think it's going to happen. I just think that I just think that the way that we played that first half, the players are going to see that we played super well in that first half, take that to heart, and then you know, that's what their mentality is going to be. They're going to, they're going to think that the the rest of the game was a fluke and that the ref stole it from them, but that's not going to make you think that you're any worse of a team than what we've been up on this run until that point, which honestly we should have beaten wolves. Like I'm, uh, I don't give a shit. Like we were better than them, but they got lucky as shit with the referee. So good on you wolves. Good on you. Yeah. I just can't get the, 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 the vision in my mind from earlier this season of Grealish, Ross Barkley, McGinn and Ollie Watkins, just counterattacking the shit out of you guys. And especially picking on Hector Beller in a right back down that, down that left wing of theirs. What, what would you say for a prediction for this, uh, Aston Villa Arsenal game? I mean, I think we're going to beat them. <laughs> like, I think it's going to be like two, one, maybe even two, two, but I, I think the first goal is, so incredibly key in this game because we saw in that that West Ham loss that Villa just had uh, yesterday that uh, once they're the ones who are forced to open themselves up and you know push for Pepe's the equalizer, on very good form now. they can they He's... can be very easily countered on and I'm sure there's plenty of players uh, in your in your front line that will be salivating yeah, over the Alex, idea of... again it's a completely different team like when you have William in your team. Yeah, no, Javier, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, just like, I'm saying, if Arsenal can get the first goal, we're a new Arsenal. And it forces Villa to open themselves up a bit too much. Then the likes of Pepe, Saka, Martinelli, Lacazette, Aubameyang, whoever it is, you guys have plenty of options now. If they're allowed to play on the counter counterattack more with more spaces out wide and just in behind in general, I, I could I could see why you you think Arsenal would win this, but I, I think I'm going to go the opposite way and I'm going to say. Uh, I think I'm going to say 3-1 Aston Villa. 
I trust right. I trust in uh, Villa and Ollie Watkins specifically seems to really enjoy uh, playing against these teams that you know sit back deeper a little bit more and uh, yeah I, I, and Grealish himself is just he's on an absolute tear right now I don't care if they lost last game the, you watching the guy play it's like he's he's an adult playing with children at sometimes so I'm gonna be yeah, looking he's forward been to pretty that amazing. one uh, but, he, I, I am. I, I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it's like a two-two draw, but yeah. That the official prediction two-two. Uh no, I'm gonna say two-one Arsenal. Okay, I'm gonna say I think we should have. I'm gonna say three-three-one yeah. Aston Villa. Uh, let's move on to just real quickly Manchester United Everton. Uh, well, I guess I'll mention first that uh, Burnley will face Brighton in a somewhat relegation six-pointer Saturday at 10 a.m. after that Arsenal game. Newcastle will go or host Southampton Saturday at 10 a.m. as well. And Fulham and West Ham will meet up in a London derby Saturday at 1230 uh, before this Manchester United Everton game kicks off at 3 p.m. Eastern time here in the States. I mean, you, you have to say this is, this is a huge one. This this weekend, we have both Manchester teams playing yeah, against if, both Liverpool teams. Everton and they all have significance win. at the top of the table can win that game then they'll still be in it for top four you know they they have two games in hand so they'll if they win both those games in hand they'd be two points behind manchester united so i'm sure for them they're like this is a huge game for us let's make a statement here united are gonna be flying high we've already talked about them a decent bit on this pod but it seems like their attacking options now all of them are really clicking cavani martial rashford all got goals in this last game and then their their fullbacks are playing super well and Obviously, Bruno Fernandez has just been absolutely unreal. You know, I would say him along with Grealish are probably, you know, my, my picture right now for player of the season. And I think for Everton, I mean, they're getting their players back. You know, Calvert-Lewin's back. Hamas is back. You know, this Everton side have, have went through a little bit of patch of bad form, but they have their players back now. And, you know, this side was beating everybody earlier in the season. And didn't they beat United? No, they uh, they lost United... Uh, 3-1 even though they took the lead at Goodison Park earlier in the season they also they played them really tight in a either an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup match I think it might have been a Carabao Cup match uh, where they had to go to extra time and there was a lot of backups playing so you can't really take take anything from that but I I think this kind of sets up well for uh, Everton to at least get a draw I mean obviously United will be the favorites but Everton, yeah, I think, are I mean, they're comfortable if enough. United, if United win this type of game, these are these we've said this a few times on this pod, but this is the type of game that if you win it, you know, you can probably still be in it for the title. I don't think they will, but they'll think to themselves, well, you know, we'll draw points level, you know, with Manchester City and put the pressure on them. And that's really what you want to do if you want to be in the title race. You always just got to keep winning your games and, and then putting the pressure on the team at the head and. Yeah, even though we gravitate more towards these like top six, these traditional top six matchups, I, I think for for the rest of this season, at least for the purposes for, of the rest of this season, we have to include any time uh, a team like Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, Man- Man- Manchester City, anytime those teams play against Everton, West Ham, Leicester City, and Aston Villa, honestly, at this point. I think we have to treat those games with the same level of importance that we would a Liverpool-Manchester City match. Now, I know those two teams have won the league more recently, so it's a, a sexier matchup. But the fact of the matter is, like, every team in, like, the top 
eight or nine right now has realistic aspirations of playing in some European competition. So that that includes Everton. And they, like you said, they've got the two games in hand on Manchester United and well, a lot of and, other teams. And, I mean, Leeds and Southampton both have a game in hand. And if they win those, they'll, you know, they'll jump into the, the same conversation. So I think, honestly, there's it goes that far down, right? Like, there's there's a lot of teams that... I, yeah, I would just say that Leeds and Southampton... While they haven't been terrible, they, they've had some sort of drop-offs. Leeds have been probably better than Southampton of late, but Southampton have have had a pretty big drop-off over the last seven or eight games, and the goals have dried up. So I, I don't feel as confident in sort of pegging them as a team that's like on the same that's kind fair. of form as like Everton, West Ham at the moment, uh, Leicester City at the moment, with their win against Fulham over midweek. Uh, so... Yeah, this this is a huge game. I think I think two two. I'm gonna say two two, and uh, I'm gonna say three one Manchester United. Okay, all right. So another game like the one at Goodison earlier this season. There, all right. I could see that. So moving on to the biggest game of the weekend: Liverpool hosting Manchester City Sunday at 11:30 a.m. Uh, Liverpool are fresh off a, another trap game at home. They lost 1-0 to Brighton on, on Wednesday uh, after uh, giving up that streak of home games unbeaten to Burnley the previous week. Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but it was in the 60s, and it was, they were approaching Chelsea's record of like 85. Uh, now they've lost two in a row at home, and uh, the, both those games were to lower half opposition. And now they face the the hottest team in the league, Manchester City, coming in like the fucking Death Star at the moment. <laughs> but uh, it, it brings up a, a decent question of what will win out the fact that Liverpool, as you have said previously on this podcast, show up for big games or their recent form against uh, worse opposition. It's It just feels like the problem with their back line is it's starting to come be more apparent now. They were able to patch it up for a few weeks. They were able to move Fabinho in there and Henderson and, and kind of, you know, get away with it, playing a couple of different players like Curtis Jones in the midfield. But it feels like teams have kind of figured out the way to expose that. And with that weakness, Liverpool haven't been able to push forward as much. They haven't been finishing great. I know they had two, three goal games in a row and looked like they were they had found their scoring touch again. But I still think they're going to ha- struggle a little bit there. You know, Sadio Mane is coming back from an injury here. He hasn't been great so far this year. He started off the year well, but, you know, it seems like for him, uh, Firmino's been playing well. You know, can't really fault him too well, much. Just real quick on Mane. He got that injury uh, right after the Tottenham game where he played really well and I think scored and assisted. Uh, so he was a part of Liverpool breaking that uh, Premier League goal-scoring drought. Uh, and then he missed the next game against West Ham. Uh, again, another very difficult opponent that has like top four aspirations of their own or top six aspirations. And without Mane, Salah and Shakiri were able to slice that like parked bus open. But then they come around to this Brighton game. And uh, what was the stat you sent me earlier about Liverpool have won like seven points from a total of 21 available against like the, the bottom half sides right now? Uh, and that was going on long before Mane got injured. Uh, it, it's been something that's been a recurring theme yeah, for them. Some, they, yeah, they drew I mean, with West just, Brom at home this crazy. season. 
they've they they lost uh, at Brighton or they either lost or drew at Brighton earlier this season, uh, and there was a lot of you know contentious VAR yeah, they calls. Drew. So they've had like results like this uh, earlier this season and before the last week or so that none of them had come at home, but now this the same jinx on them of having to break down these low block teams at home has has just affected them West negatively Brom, in the yeah. next in the last two games. Well, they had the the Burnley loss last week and then the uh, obviously the Brighton game the other day. I I literally think that the Brighton game they just had their heads turned towards City. They were just overlooking their opponent. Uh, didn't realize that Brighton would be Brighton able to kind of replicate well. the Tottenham win performance. Yeah, and, Brighton did pretty well. And like, they didn't we park were saying the bus that either. They, they'd had that, no, we were saying that they'd had a big performance against Tottenham and that they, that was a huge win for them. You know, this Liverpool win, they're eight points clear at the bottom now. So we were talking about them as being the team that was going to get sucked in, but they're now level on points with Burnley and both of them have daylight. Yeah. Eight, eight points in that in that zone is 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 a lot. I was asking Andrew, so. I think two weeks ago, while they're in the the middle of that goal scoring drought, I, I, I was wondering if he was worried about top four yet, which seems like a ridiculous question. But Chelsea, we're four points behind them right now, uh, and level and on. There's a games host played. of teams with games in hand that could catch up and and yeah. be one or two points behind them. So I agree. I, I mean, I think it's they're going to definitely be in a, in a top four battle. And if Manchester City are, are as good as I think they are right now, I think they're going to beat them like three one. I don't think it's going to be particularly hard. I think I, I just don't see that many goals. The first half, the, but the, these teams now they, they seem like they have too much respect for each other's attacking maybe, options. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But that was I don't think Pep's going to feel that way. And I think as soon as the game starts, the players are going to realize that this is not the same Liverpool. You know, this is not Van Dyke. They don't have, you know. But, I mean, Mata, they already the played Lover them earlier this season, no, and they didn't have. Yeah, uh, and it was no, the same Van case. No, they didn't have Van Dyke they last had, time they played. Oh, but I mean, they the had Mati, but draw. they had. Yeah, but they. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't feel like this is the the same city either. This city side are 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 really defensively just incredible right now, and then offensively, they're they're starting to find their goal scoring touch. They've got their important players scoring again. They haven't missed De Bruyne, which is the sign of an incredible team, right? A team that can, right. when your best player goes down, you, you don't miss a beat. You still keep clean sheets and, and get wins. So you're right. It might be like 2-0 Man City or I, even like 1-0 Manchester I, I, City. I was going to say 1-0. I think 1-0 is probably the most likely result. And I would advise people not to get too hyped uh, for this game, uh, even though it is, you know, a, like a... A traditionally very big clash between uh, two of the league's last like three winners. Uh, so, I'm yeah, I'll say one nil Manchester City. I just think one of the reasons they're good defensively is that they've become more cautious and and less gung ho in how they attack. They pick their spots much better now, and uh, yeah, I think they'll they'll be cautious of Liverpool's attacking threat. Uh, themselves and just sort of hope to play out a boring one nil win like you kind of saw with the Chelsea Tottenham game today. Uh, I hope to be wrong though. I hope that there's more goals uh, than that. You already heard Andrew's thoughts on this game uh, the other day because he anticipated not being able to make it here tonight. So I mean, just to 
run through some of the other games on Sunday and uh, Monday to see out the weekend. Uh, Sunday will start with Tottenham hosting West Brom, uh, no longer uh, and something that you can consider an easy win for Tottenham, given their current form. And uh, West Brom uh, in absolute desperation mode, trying to uh, make up for that loss against Sheffield the other day and uh, get themselves back into the, the safety picture. Uh, Wolves will host Leicester City uh, Sunday at 9 a.m. That Liverpool-Man City game will go on at 11.30 a.m. And then to finish out the day, Sheffield United will host Chelsea, which uh, I'm looking forward to uh, very much. It's going to be very interesting to see if uh, Chelsea can sort of stem the tide of this Sheffield United uh, late wave of good form, because it's certainly not an easy win. I'm kind of anxious about it, especially after we got spanked by Sheffield. Sheffield have given you guys some, some trouble, yeah. Before. Yeah. Like I know you but guys then, had that three three draw, and then you guys they they beat you three nil, right? So uh, it was two two draw last season at home, where they came back from two nil down. Two two draw, yeah. And then uh, over the summer when they restarted, I think it was like the third or fourth from last game, we lost three nil there, and looked like we weren't going to make top four at that point. So I, I think I think though that Tuchel's got us playing enough that we can especially with them not having Ampadu available since he's on loan from us. He's been a, a big influence I, in their side. I think you guys win like one or two nil. That's what I think. I think it's uh, a tight but close one. I'll, I'll probably actually say two one. I think Sheffield have enough uh, to score at least once on this on this team. Uh, and then the weekend will end with uh, Leeds Crystal Palace on Monday at 3 p.m. Uh, there's not going to be any Premier League fixtures next midweek. It's going to be a whole host of uh, FA Cup games. It's going to be some interesting ones, at least in the FA Cup. I believe there's Everton Spurs going on at some point. Yeah, fuck the FA Cup. We're not in it. It's not interesting anymore. Sure. Uh, well, there's plenty of other games that are interesting. So uh, we probably will be back at some point midweek next week to preview the following weekend's matchups. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the pod and enjoy the games this weekend. You can follow us on social media at Ghost Goal Pod at JavierRev9 for Javier's social media accounts, at ASMoss92 for all of mine, at Andrew Pissarro for Andrew's uh, Twitter and Instagram. Javier, thanks for being with me today. Yeah, it was fun. And until next time, <laughs> fire!